You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. What exactly makes Beyonce the queen bee? How do we feel about Ariana Grande's use of rap vernacular? And most importantly, what's better, chamomile or spiced chai? We ponder all of this and more on Hot Tea Hot Takes, now a part of the Rock Candy Podcast Network. Our show is just two friends drinking tea and discussing music, culture, politics, and anything else that comes to mind. We cover everything from Mozart to Megan Thee Stallion. New uploads are posted weekly. Look for it wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you soon. Bye. gentlemen we are going to jump right into this this is uh episode 28 of the pickle and boot shop it is uh J- joe yerke from the insiders but as i've learned from the pickle and boot diabolical discussion page it doesn't matter what my name is nobody cares about me anyway i'm the other guy i've been i'm known as the other guy and uh with me today is uh is is a guest we've had on before he's back to help me out co-host not as an interview yeah. Not as an interviewee, but as a co-host, we got Andy Verdecchio, better known as Chaka, back in the studio. And uh, yeah, Andy, you are back because uh, Reese is still out on a family emergency. So you guys uh, keep uh, keep prayers and everything going for him and his family. Um, again, I'm, I'm sure you guys will hear more in the future from Reese, but uh, that's how that goes. But I think we're just going to jump into this freebie portion. And nice. I have some questions for you. How was your Thanksgiving? Yeah. How was your Thanksgiving? Um, it was good, man. Yeah, the family good, uh, everything like that. Like, what do you guys do for Thanksgiving? Uh, it was just us uh, this Thanksgiving. It's just um, my wife and my kids this time around. We went to the Rapids game. The who? Colorado. The Colorado Rapids. Oh, f- soccer. Yeah. Okay, I thought you said the the rabbits game. I was like, who are the <laughs> rabbits? You're like, yeah, we Those do this are... thing. It's it's a it's a festival in Denver every year, the rabbits game, and everybody you try and catch a rabbit with your bare hands. You wear a loincloth and yes. uh, diving flippers, mm-hmm. and then you're blindfolded and you try and catch a rabbit. You have to wear a snorkel too. Yeah. And and you try and catch a greased rabbit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, it's fun. They've been, but doing, it, but it's it's organic grease. So it's organic grease, locally sourced grease. Yeah, Corn, sometimes they use free range sometimes grease. Use, yeah, and they'll use sometimes they'll use olive oil instead, just because it's good for their coat. Yes, 
And the the rabbits are uh, they're actually rabid rabbits. So you, as you're trying to catch them, you don't want to get bit by them. Yeah. And uh, that's yeah. yeah. Well, they make sure that every all the grease and stuff that they put on them is like locally sourced and organic. But then they inject them with rabies. Yeah, and so it sort of balances itself out. Yeah, and human growth hormone. Like the the rabbits yeah. are ripped. Like their muscles are legit. Yeah. So it's it's like trying to catch like a little brick of muscle. Do you remember? You remember the movie The Twilight Zone? Yeah, do I? Yeah. You remember the kid? You remember the kid with the? Uh, he had the ability to make cartoons come to life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he makes that big crazy giant rabbit. It's like one of those. Yeah. Yeah and, yeah, and they've been doing it in Denver for centuries. People yeah. don't know it, but um, even prior to the Native Americans, uh, when they displaced the Mayans, who displaced the Scientologists, uh, they've been doing it since Scientology days. Yeah. 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 See, people didn't. People come to the show, uh, Chaka, for for facts, for loose, for loosely. Translated facts. Well, I am a, I am a treasure trove of worthless information. So, yeah. sorry, so, I'm, I'm I'm eating. Yeah, so I'm not telling you anything you don't already know that that Scientologists were here on the Earth before the the Mayans and the Incas and the Native Americans. Yeah, well, that's because that's how they pass their what is it tenons. Cannons yeah. onto everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. And, and then when they, even back then, when they were thinking about that, uh, that seven forty seven flight to the uh, Big Dipper. Now, are you? you it looks like you're big drinking a big old glass of sour cream there. No, um, that looked like the, almond. That looked like the almond milk, thickest milk I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's almond milk. For some reason, we got the. Uh, we usually get the um, the uh, unflavored original, yeah. like not unsweetened. Yeah. But we got the vanilla sweetened this time, and it's. I don't like it as much. It's, it's too like much. drinking ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> well, now, now, why do you think they call it almond milk? Why don't they just call it almond juice? Because uh, um, according to Lewis Black. Every time you say almond juice, you start to gag. Mm. I haven't heard that, but I, it drives me nuts with the milk thing. Like milk, milk it's comes a, from mammals. Right. I think it's just a, it's because it's a substitute. It's a Southern thing. I think it's a Southern yeah. thing. Like pecans, you mm. know, it's like a whole thing. You got almond milk. They call it milk because it's like pecans from the South. There you go. In the South, you got Kings of Leon, you got racism, uh, mm -hmm. you got almond milk. What else do you need? I don't know. <laughs> um, maybe I'm having a hard <laughs> It's been a long day. I know. I know. This, this is what you yeah, got to deal with. This is what you got to deal with today, buddy. But Dude, I, so, got, I got my hearing checked today. So how'd that and go? I got, I went well. I have really bad tinnitus, though. Oh, do you? So now, I, now, yeah. So now I have hearing aids. Now, did you? So, obviously, you you got the tinnitus from uh, from what's it called? From drumming. Yeah. It just hurt your your uh, eardrums and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and it sucks real bad. So wear hearing protection, kids. Yeah, <laughs> and you know we were all told that too, but none of us listened. Yeah. 
I nope. I listened as best I could. I always wore the Sonic twos back when mm-hmm. we. You know, back when we uh, toured, I had those little filters and stuff, and it really did help. But I think the damage was done prior to me. Yeah, wearing them. I, well, now they have. Now there's like you know you can get in ears relatively inexpensive in ears, you know, or well affordable. I don't want to say inexpensive, and then <clears throat> um, uh, like hearing protection now is like far beyond what we had. Yeah. When we were touring. I mean, if, if if I could go back, it's not like I was just pulling in chicks left and right. Um, because the number is was actually zero. Um, so <laughs> it's not like I had anyone to impress. I would just go back and wear like uh like gunsmith earmuffs, you know, just big old <laughs> earmuffs that I could control like how much volume went in like came into them. And mm-hmm. like I, I couldn't, I could care less like what it looked like. I just have like the big old muffs on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah. This this doctor was really cool, man. She, um, we actually were able to dial in exactly the exact frequency that my tinnitus was ringing at. Uh huh. <clears throat> and um, I have these hearing aids that play that plays like these little sounds. And it it um, it's supposed to train because tinnitus doesn't come from your ears; it comes from your brain. Yes. So it's supposed to actually train your brain to not do that anymore, to not look for that frequency. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, it's pretty. It's really interesting. And she like she was like <clears throat> hip to all my lingo, man. Like oh, so like. Uh, you were like, this she is works with sweet. Like, and she was like, wait, I remember that word from the 90s. It is sweet. Yeah. And I was like, yo, this this, this is chill, super dope and cool. And she's like, do and you need me to turn like, the heat up? And I was like, maybe you should drop it like it's hot. Yeah. And she was like, drop what? I'm holding this pen and it's room temperature. And I was like, so drop it like it's hot. And then she did. And then you were like, "Oh, you dropped your pen. You picked it up and handed it back to her." It was a very. I didn't know that. I didn't know that she dropped it because I couldn't hear it. Oh. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. So back to back to Thanksgiving. Did you guys? Do you guys have family over? Do you go to family's house? Like, what do you guys do? Is it just Um, your household? Most most of my family's in in Philly, um, except for my. Sister-in-law, my niece, and my nephew are here, but uh, they kind of do their own thing on Thanksgiving. Okay. Mindy's family is spread out from Washington and Texas. Okay. So no, none of her family are here either. So, um, so yeah, we just did it with us and the kids. Who, and who who does the cooking? Usually me, but this year because we went to the Rapids game, we uh, we ordered like a pre cooked Thanksgiving meal, so like oh, a full right turkey on. and all that, and then you just got to heat it up in the oven. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was fine. Yeah, so. I mean, it's not like white people Thanksgiving is all that good food anyway. Like, yeah, about a decade I don't know. ago, mine's pretty awesome. <laughs> is it like like about a decade ago? I I really went through this like thing where I was like, man, um, I had worked in Detroit and I had met 
so many like black families and stuff like that. And they would tell me about, um, you know, what they had at, at like at their Thanksgiving. And then at work, we had like a potluck and they were bringing all in like their food. And I, I was so jealous. I was like, this is way better than what we have. So mm. I was like, dude, I'm done with this tradition. So it started with us, like just going from roasting a Turkey to, I was like injecting it with like, jalapeno hormones well yeah 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 (laughs) and you're like injecting it with like you know creole butter jalapeno butter you know all that stuff right putting like a good rub on it to then like the last three years since i've gotten like into like smoking stuff um like i'll smoke turkeys and then and that's kind of like kicked everything up so now i kind of i like thanksgiving again like I, I enjoy yeah. smoking the turkeys all morning. This year I did a a double smoked spiral ham. So like the yeah. the the ham comes, you know, already cooked and cut. And then I I put like a rub on the outside and like a mustard binder and then put that back on the smoker for, you know, three and a half hours. And oh my gosh, that was amazing. Yeah, smoking a turkey is pretty great. Yeah, but like <clears throat> collard greens, I love collard greens. Mac and cheese, like that's usually not at like white people Thanksgiving. Like, you yeah. know, Caucasian Thanksgiving is pretty boring. And I think it's it's so, nice when you kind of step outside that box. I grew up in an Italian family, so we never did, you know, turkey and all that. We would do... Uh, soup, um, which is like, it's some people call it Italian wedding soup, but it's not okay. actually Italian wedding soup. It's a little different than that. Okay. But it's very, it's similar, but it's made with scuttle, which is kind of like, uh, kind of like spinach and then the little tiny meatballs and all that kind of stuff. And then we would do, that would be the starter. Well, we would do salad and then that would be the starter. There was the soup. And then we do like homemade ravs, would it, homemade would it spaghetti. Be, uh, would it be endless salad? Like at Olive Garden? Because when you're there, your family? Yeah. Is that like traditional? True. Is that traditional uh, I Italian mean, fare where you get unlimited salad and breadsticks when you're at <laughs> your Thanksgiving? I don't know that it gets any better than... Uh, than that, you know, I mean, truthfully, like when you get, when you get, you're growing up, we've all at some point in our life gotten a $50 Olive Garden gift card and, right. And you eat at Olive Garden and it's the greatest meal ever because it's free because you have that $50, you know, so you go with like a date, your wife, your, you know, whoever, and you eat and it's fantastic. And then you never go again until seven years later when you get another $50 gift card. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't even go then. <laughs> right. No, I'll give I it give away. The, I give, I fucking, I'll give the gift card to somebody else. Yeah. I don't want that yeah, shit. Hey, this is a $50 gift card. Give me 10 bucks for it. And we'll call it square. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so go on. So you have like the Italian wedding soup. What else you got going on? Uh, you know, we'll do homemade wraps. Well, I don't do this. This is my mom and, and my, well, my mom and my dad's side of the family. Um, we do homemade, uh, spaghetti to actually the actual spaghetti. Okay. So we'd make the dough and then we'd roll it out and we had like a spaghetti maker. It was like a little crank and you'd feed the spaghetti in. Yeah. And then, um, and then we do homemade meatballs, sausage, 
Um, um, you said ravioli. I mean, just a just a ravioli. What, uh, what do you stuff the ravioli with? Ricotta. Okay. I don't do that. I can't. I so I'm the reason. The whole reason I'm drinking almond milk is because I can't have dairy. Oh. Or I think or Reese we have a is the same way. You and Reese are both. Yeah. Man, it's that yeah. Rocky Mountain air just screwed you guys up. Must be. I think it was just the fact that I drank tons of milk when I was a kid. You think? No, that's not the reason. You don't think so? No, I mean, no. I think we. I don't think any of us like in our bodies. Like I don't. I mean, maybe I'm just thinking off the cuff here. I'm not giving it a good thought. But I would think that like we're pre pre we're genetically predisposed to things. You think so? I I do. I mean, I think there's some. I think there's some truth to that. Uh, but um, but I do know that we are the only species on the planet that drinks milk after, like, breastfeeding. Yeah. Like, as adults, we're the only species that, like, drinks milk. Which I'm fine with. Oh, I'm fine with it, too. Yeah. I always find it funny that when people, uh, when people have, an, like, an argument and then they use, we're the only species that fill in the blank because then I want to be like, yeah, we're also the only species that like paints pictures that, um, right. Builds machinery that, you know what I mean? Like it, right. It, that's why we're human beings. Like we, we make, we make music and you can't be like, well, birds make music. No, 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 no. Every bird makes the same sound. Like if you're a blue Jay, all blue Jays make that noise. That ain't music. Like we're, and, uh, uh, you know, yeah. we're the only species that actually makes music and, you know, stuff like that. A bird's not going to, uh, 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 I always thought it was hilarious when they taught that, that gorilla to paint and mm-hmm. like the scientists were like, dude, we got this gorilla and he paints and it's amazing. And he, because we do sign language and he knows what he's doing and we can talk to this this gorilla and we're making advancements and we're going to be able to, you know, he's, he's going to be like a cousin. And so they give him like a canvas and they give him paint and he just puts like, it just looks like a monkey painted on a canvas. And then they, they asked him to sign what it was. And I can't remember if they put up like a bowl of fruit and then told him to Mm -hmm. paint it. So, of course, he didn't paint the bowl of fruit, but the scientists mm. will tell you that he painted the bowl of fruit, that he painted mm. his, you know, what he saw. And then they told him to, uh, uh, they told him to name it, and he named it Stink Gorilla More. <laughs> so that, that's what he signed. That's what he signed to the scientist was like this. That, this thing was that, called Stink Gorilla More. <laughs> That sounds like what I, that would be the name of a painting that I would paint. That was a name of a band <laughs> that I was in after the insiders. Um, stink gorilla more stink gorilla more. And <laughs> we, what we did is we, we were a band in the summertime and we played uh, for a day camp. So like every morning at this day camp, we were all, all just a bunch of like washed up rockers. And so we just lived mm-hmm. out our dreams by playing in front of like six to 12 year olds. And they were forced yeah. to listen to us. And that was the name of our band stink gorilla more. 
It was great. And I'll tell you this, a lot of the covers we did were from the original high school musical <laughs> movie. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it was we were a great uh, high school musical cover band. All right. Um so with I I I I'm just kind of fixated on Thanksgiving. I'm one of my biggest things is breaking bread with people. I think cultural mm-hmm. barriers, I think uh everything like it can be broke down by by sharing a meal with somebody. And so the, I get sure. I get a lot out of it. People might think like, "Oh my gosh, I'm listening to Pickle and Boot Shop. They're talking about Thanksgiving food. Thanksgiving's done. Move on." But I think it goes deeper and I and just like you, you have this Italian thing going on. I have uh-huh. kind of this um neo traditional thing going on. What is the food that what is the food that you hate at Thanksgiving? Like um, if it's going to be tradition, like if your tradition, like what do you hate? Do you hate the ravioli or do you hate turkey or, you know, what, what is it that you're, it does not end up on your plate? Uh, well, if we went to my uh, Aunt Antoinette's house. Um, beautiful woman, beautiful woman. She was a beautiful woman, and she's she has outlived most of the younger. Uh, most of, she was the oldest of my dad's uh, siblings. Oh wow! And she outlived my dad and my uh, two of my uncles, and um, she was she was the aunt that would pinch my cheeks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. She was that aunt and she just loved you to death. And like, like I remember um, my mom dropping me off because she had some things she had to take care of. And she dropped me off at my aunt Antoinette's house. And um, I remember her bringing me out. She's like, are you hungry? I know you're hungry. And so she brought me out this plate of raviolis. It was bigger than the size of my head. And I was like 10 years old. You know, I'm like, Aunt Antoinette, I'm not going to eat all this. And She's like, uh, the heck you are. Yeah. And and I ate as much as I could until I was just full. And, you know, it's always the the Italian, you know, what's the matter with you? Yeah, manja, What's the matter? Yeah, yeah, manja. You're not, what, what, you're not hungry? Well, you don't like my food? Eat. I'm like, like, my stomach isn't that big, Aunt Antoinette. You're like, Aunt Antoinette, I'm vegan. (laughs) <laughs> no, that was that really like, thing for me. And Antoinette, I love Earth Crisis, and I'm vegan. And she's yeah. like, yeah, manja, manja, manja. <laughs> um, I and uh, but um, there wasn't really anything that I didn't like. I'm trying to think. I never liked. All right, so I liked the chocolate covered almonds. Okay. But I never like like the hard candy covered almonds. Oh, you know candy covered about? almonds are disgusting. Yeah, I never like those. Yeah, I don't like those. Um, uh, I never, I never got, I never had a um, an affinity for um, what's the ice cream? The Italian ice cream, and it's got like oh, spumoni. Spumoni. I always thought sm- spumoni was disgusting. I don't. Like, why would anybody eat this? I got older and I I developed an appreciation for it. And I'm still waiting for a um, you know a 
non-dairy version of it so that I can yeah. eat it again. But um, yeah, like I never liked Spumoni ice cream gag. Yeah, I, I never had a problem with it. I'm I'm not Italian, but I've definitely had Spumoni ice cream. You know, you would. You'd go to an Italian restaurant or something, and it would come as your dessert. The, yeah. the, the traditional Caucasian Thanksgiving food that I hate is green bean casserole. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm indifferent to it. I don't dislike oh. it, but. I can't stand casseroles. I think. I think as as far as American history goes, I think we really dropped the ball with casseroles. I feel like the 50s, like the Cleavers and like Betty Crocker and Reader's Digest would, you know, would put uh, uh, recipes on everything. And everything was a casserole. Tuna noodle casserole makes me want to vomit. Anything that's the, the only casserole that I enjoy is a breakfast casserole. You know, where you got like eggs, sausage, hash browns, everything like yeah. cooked together. But like tuna yeah. noodle casserole, barf, green bean casserole. I just feel like there was like this point in American history where they were like, put a bunch of crap in a dish, pour cream of mushroom soup on it, stir it up and throw it in the <laughs> oven. And that was it. And it was like, oh, right. gross. I like cream of mushroom soup, but like the thing is. It, whatever's in green bean casserole, I like everything individually. I love green beans. I love them. I love um, uh, cream of mushroom soup. I love mushrooms. I like the little fried onions on top. But all together, maybe it's a texture thing. I just cannot stand it. I think it's, I think it's embarrassing. If you're the person that has to bring green bean casserole to a, a, a party, a get-together, a family event, ugh, shame on you. Shame on you. My my wife makes a uh, a chicken casserole that's pretty good. That is a uh, it's it's like a curry casserole. Okay. And it's I, I like that one, but yeah, I'm with you on casseroles. I'm kind of like. Yeah, yeah, and then c- although if this counts, if this counts as a casserole, um, shepherd's pie, I could fuck up check- shepherd's oh. pie on a moment's notice. No. Dude. That that's not a casserole because it's not it's not thrown in and then with cream of mushroom soup on it. You know right. what I mean? Like you right. you you layer it like a lasagna. You put the mashed potatoes down. You put the cheese. You put the peas. You put the meat. Right. You know, and you just keep layering that sucker. There's a place right. here in uh, in the city where we live, Royal Oak. There's a place called the Royal Oak Brewery. And they have an amazing shepherd's pie. And then they also have scotch eggs. So you get like, yeah, you get those scotch eggs and then you get the shepherd's pie and then you down them with a couple of pints. Oh, that's a, that's a good Friday night right there. Are you, I'm a, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned that my mic isn't picking up as well as I want it to. Okay. Um, can we pause for just a quick second? Yeah. So we could do like one, two, three, pause or something. And yeah, then... just I'm I'm gonna pause right now. Okay. Okay. And then uh, we can clap. Three, two, one. Oh, let's go again. Oh, let's, one more time. So wait, is it three, two, we one? We should be clapping at the same, same time. time. You can two, count two, down. Go. You, go me. three, two, one. Clap. You count it. You're the drum. That's what I thought. I'll go with you. Okay. All right. 
Three, two, one. All right, good one. stuff. So we're back up and running. That's all right. Better to check now than, than uh, be screwed later. Sorry about that. Although we do got the Skype recording as backup, so. That's right, you guys. I said Skype. Yeah. Some of you made fun of us for using Skype like oh, it's an okay. archaic Oof. thing. But it seems you guys are listening to the show, and it uh, seems to be working. We record Skype. We're watching each other talking through Skype, but then we're recording our vocals onto GarageBand. It's a big rigmarole. That's how we have to do it. We're janky because we don't want to spend all this money on equipment. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's affection. Hey, and I just it's affection. It's affection. I just rolled the dice. I told you prior to coming on the show, and it's, I had a little. A little bout of uh, the Rhea train. I was riding the Rhea, the diarrhea train, and as I was right before the show, I got the the bubble guts and just went, and then came down here. And we've been recording. It's now about a half hour later. I just had another little gas bubble, and I rolled the dice and I went for it. I went for it. I, I farted, and I didn't. I didn't crap my pants. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so, Andy, let's, let's start getting into stuff. We're over Thanksgiving. That is very uh, let's good. start getting into. Uh, I, I want. I want to ask this. This is Pickle and Boot Shop. We're talking about uh, our, the the origins of this show and the basics of this show are to reminisce about '90s ska and all that stuff. Do you still listen to ska? Is that something that you still listen to? Who. Who are your favorite bands? Give us some some just ones that yeah, you've always sure. listened to and you probably always will. And then do you listen to anything new? Any new bands that have popped up? Anything new that you listen to? Um, uh, well, I love the two-tone stuff, you know, so Madness, the specials. Um, oh, I love Madness. I didn't uh, get into Madness until later in my life. And I love Madness. Oh, yeah. I love Madness. Uh, they're fucking fantastic yeah um so uh i <clears throat> i love skanky pickle um um the band that got me into ska to begin with what it was uh i would probably Super have tones. to say op yeah 100 <laughs> percent. yeah your life was nothing <laughs> until you heard all right supertones let's rock let's rock yeah um <laughs> That was that. That was the first band I heard that was was sort of under that like ska punk umbrella. Was was uh, Op Ivy, okay. and then um, but I I didn't know what ska was. They just sounded like they reminded me of um, I don't I don't know if you remember the side project that the Exploited did called Citizen Fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so I was really into Citizen Fish. And um, Fishbone was another one early on that I got really into. Yeah, Fishbone um, was so rad. Yeah. Um, I got into Fishbone when I saw them at Lollapalooza in 92. Um, uh, I guess you could say Bob Marley prior to that. Because yeah, I yeah. guess, I mean, technically he's, I mean, he he's on the record as saying he's not a reggae musician, but he's a ska musician. Heck yeah. And, um, um Later on, I started getting into a lot of the root stuff like Desmond Decker, Toots and the Maytals, um, um, you know, um, Jackie Mito. Um, <clears throat> and then 
so, but what I'm listening to now, and of course, like less than Jake was, was seminal. Heck yeah. Um, uh, anything Mike Park did, MU330 is my favorite all time. Uh, Scott, not only Scott punk band, but just in, in general band from the nineties. Really? They are. Oh yeah. MU330 is hands down the best. 90s band in my opinion that's what like i I love like who's your love who's your love south side city who's your love but like other than that like i really don't know i i've heard like i've heard their stuff but nothing of theirs like ever really grabbed me other than who's your love every single album dude really like i have to go back and listen i don't i don't think there's a bad song on any of their albums i the uh what is it? Ultra, ultra panic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one, that one's okay. It still has some good songs on. It's got the uh, that song, uh, the KKK adopted a highway, which is pretty good. I love Dan's solo stuff. So like Dan K, uh, Dan P and the Bricks. Um, I love that stuff. Um, that's. I like still, how he you know, got. I like how he got a lot of play on the the Sky documentary. The pickup, yeah. Scott. Well, he, was a, he was important. Like he yeah. just as a songwriter, he is an amazing songwriter. And I think when Crab Rangoon came out, that album, like so, there are certain albums that just they just hit you. They come out at the right time and they hit you right where you're at. Yeah. And yeah. Crab Rang Crab Rangoon was one of those records for me where it was like when it came out. Every lyric just spoke to right where I was at, and um, and it just musically, I just it was everything that I needed at that time. Yeah. And then you know when um, San Francisco came out, that album was another one that was just like, yeah, every song on this album is great. Yeah. And um, and you know, and even when Jason was singing for him. Um, I loved all that stuff too. And we have a type, I feel like, well, uh, me personally speaking, I feel like I have, we have a tight bond with those, with those guys. Um, I, it may be one-sided, but like uh, particularly Micah and I, we just, we love it. They can do no wrong in our eyes. Like they're okay. just, you know, um, they're just wonderful people and hanging out with them was something that really sort of shook my worldview and um and just sort of challenged where I was at and made me want to be a, a better person okay um and uh um Dan had a lot to do with that like he was just such an open and positive and friendly person and coming out of you know the fucking what were the the Grammys for the Christian Dumb market? Dumb. Yeah, the Dove Award, the Dove Awards, and all that shit. Like it was just like it was a breath of fresh air to be with these guys that are just like we love this music and we believe in being nice to people, and uh, that really kind of resonated with me hardcore. Yeah. So parkour, yeah, I, I, yeah, parkour, hardcore parkour. <laughs> um, ba- current bands that I listen to, I love We Are the Union. 
I got to always give them props. Um, there's a band called Westbound Train that I like a lot. I love the Skins. Okay. Um, they're fantastic. I don't know if you've listened to much of their stuff. No, I'm, I'm writing these down. Um, um, as far as ska bands go, um, I don't know. It's I, I tend to sort of like I'll dip my toes in the the new wave of ska pool for a little bit. Yeah. But I always tend to go back to what I know and what I'm comfortable with. So I try to, but I, but you know, like I really want to support local new ska bands, even if I, if I hear them and I don't like them, yeah. you know, I still want to be like, Hey, you know, like when we're, when the conversation turns towards doing shows and stuff like that, I'm always trying to think of whatever the local ska band is yeah you know that that would be cool to have so like we discovered the band well i don't want to say we discovered but um we found out about the band the last slice and they're really good um they're out of tulsa i think okay um there's a band from denver called the aoks that are awesome um um trying to think uh be like Max is another band that I got to give props to. Um, they're all, but they're all real underground, which is cool, right? Because the, I feel like that's what ska should be. So in the '90s, when you know bands like, and this is uh, this, I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on any of these bands at all, but like band, when bands like Real Big Fish and the Boston's and No Doubt when they were all getting like their breakout songs, um, they were, you know, like it was cool, uh, but also it's sort of all of a sudden everyone wanted to be in a ska band and it sort of, it it, kind of diluted the scene a little too much, you know, or or maybe diluted is the wrong word, oversaturated the scene. So, um, yeah, I, I always think that too, but in that, in that same sense where there, you know, every, every town had a ska band, but in that you really saw and you really found out who was good because there's a big difference between a good ska band and a not good ska band. So I think when, I think that's where always like the big three as far as in the Christian scene came from with us, because it was like the Supertones, you guys, and us. And then there were 40 other ska bands, but none of the, like nobody really separated themselves from that, the big pool of 40. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Buck would do some stuff and, and Big Dog, Small Fence. Like those guys were rad out of Southern California. The Israelites were always awesome and never got the pump that they deserved. Uh, I agree 100%, man. Yeah. I agree 100% about that. They never got um, it. And, and, and so like they were fantastic, but like just because you have three buddies at school that play horns and you're like a little punk band with horns, it doesn't mean you're good. And the the thing that I always say that the people that listen to the show have probably heard me say this, you know, multiple times already. But 
when you listen, when you listen to Scott, it seems like fun, easy music. And it just, you just listen to it and you're like, oh, this sounds like it should be in the background of a video game or, you know, there's always the, the joke that it's like, Scott's what a kid hears when his mom gives him, you know, mozzarella sticks. That's like what's playing in his head. But if you think about it, like you can't be a crappy drummer in a ska band. Like you, you can't be a bad drummer in a ska band. You can't be a bad bass player in a ska band. Like you will stick out like a sore thumb. If you don't play that upbeat on guitar, well, you will not be a good ska band. If your horn players can't play their horns or they sound like, you know, they're in beginner band at uh, band camp. You you don't sound good. So Scott always you know, sounds I, easy, but you need to be I, a good musician. Yeah, I, I so I was listening to. Um, I don't know if you subscribe to Scott Tune Network. Um, no. If you don't, if you don't, you should. It's it's really what's it's it a YouTube on? channel. It's a YouTube, it's a YouTube channel. YouTube. Yeah. Um, the dude that, uh, that runs it, he actually filled in for Dennis once or twice. Is it called Scott tube um, or Scott tune? Like it's like cartoon network, but it's Scott tune network. Okay. Um, and, uh, there it was a, uh, interview with Mike Park about a year ago. And Mike was like, look, Scott is more than just just the upbeat guitar and having horns. That does not make make you a ska band. It's all about like the rhythm of of ska, and um, <clears throat> you know. So just have a chicka 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 like that is like. I mean, there are some ska songs that have that, but. There is so much more to that upbeat, you know, yeah, um, rhythm that is, you know, there are, and and particularly on the drums. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I never really understood the rhythm of ska as far as a drummer until um, after Five Iron broke up. <laughs> like I, I, I had, I had the ska, I had the ska punk thing down really yeah. well four on the floor with the kick jump do, do, do every you know um yeah. every quarter note boop, boop 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 and then you know like um and just that really driving rhythm which is cool for ska punk but if you want to be a legit ska band you have to know how to play you know a one drop you know or a dance hall beat or um or um, you know a rocker's beat like the like which are all very different styles of drumming and when I first started getting really into traditional ska which like I said was after Five Iron broke up I just like went headlong into traditional ska and roots reggae and stuff like that um, I uh, <clears throat> I realized it, it's fucking not easy to play it's hard there's a lot of it on our new album um i i you know like i i like scott and i were kind of in the same place musically as far as where we wanted to go with until the shakes apart as far as as the fusion between like you know the last album um engine of a million plots and then 
the last two albums of the first incarnation of Five Iron. So like um, adding those hard, those heavier rock elements and less punk elements, um, like on uh, um, um, Electric Boogaloo and uh, and End Is Here. Uh, like those two records combined with that last uh, record, but we wanted to really put way more like ska in there. Okay. Traditional ska. And so I was stoked, man. I went, I went, I got way into uh, traditional reggae drumming and stuff like that. And I'm by no means like a master at it. I just got really interested in it and worked really hard at it. And I think I, I think I came out with a pretty decent product of it, sort of my rendition of it. Um, yeah. But um, you know, and that's all subjective. Some people might say it's garbage, but. Um, well, um, what do they know? You know what I mean? What do they know? Nothing. I, I'm, Andy, I'm I'll answer that cons- question for you. Nothing. They don't know nothing. I, I'm open to constructive cri- criticism. Not me. You know, as long as it's. As long as it's as long as it's constructive, you know, like I'm open to constructive criticism as long as it uh, praises me for how good I am. Okay, you're a wonderful human being, and you're the greatest singer. The uh, you're better than Paul McCartney. See that this is the kind of constructive criticism I like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like when people um, criticize me that I'm like too good looking or I'm too good of a songwriter. Like I, I, I'm like I like when people are like, you know what? I have one criticism. I wish you wouldn't write songs lyrically so amazing, because I just openly, I just openly weep, and I feel, you know, your everyone's gonna buy your album. There won't be a person on the planet that doesn't. That's right. the that's the constructive criticism I like. Sweet. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the fun stuff. So it's so you, you said like the skins, westbound train, and you said uh not the, the skins, not the skins. Oh the what S K S K I N T S skints. So okay. if you're like it's a British term, so if you're skint, it means you have no money, you're broke. Oh, I did, I'm that, and I didn't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> How about that? Huh? I'm low key skint. You know, if you want to, if you want to get into some good, a good, a, a nice rounded uh, exposure to like all different types of ska music, from the early stuff to the current stuff, you should listen to um, Boot Boy Radio. It's a it's this dude. Um, um, uh, that uh, he just he he plays he'll play five iron he'll play you know slapstick he'll play the skints and then he'll play Bob Marley it, it's just like it's just and like that, a nice and that's broad, called what that's called what uh, boot boy radio boot boy radio okay yeah there's some good ska stuff in there oh heck yeah. That's why I used to. Hey, I used did you did you ever check out that band I told you about, Turnstile? No, I didn't get a chance to to listen to it. Dude, they're fucking awesome. 
I'll, I'll give it a I'll give it a listen tomorrow. What what style are they? They're a hardcore band, but oh, they're okay. not like any hardcore band you've ever heard. They're like I think they're like the Spice Girls meet Hanson meet hardcore. I would say they're like the Beatles of the hardcore scene. Oh, wowzers. That's like a t- they're doing things they're doing things that are really impressive and interesting in my opinion. All right. Well, I'll I'll yeah. I'll give them See, I'm not a hardcore aficionado. I'm I'm just I like hardcore but I only like specific stuff. Like I could probably count on one hand, maybe two, the hardcore bands that I like. So Earth Crisis is always going to be on there. Snapcase. Um, uh, uh, riff, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, they sing, um, oh, doggone it. Uh, not Refused. They would definitely be on my top five. Refused. Um, oh, yeah. I'm trying to think. Is is refused? Uh, who did new noise? Yeah. Okay. Then refused. Yeah. So refused. Earth crisis. Um, snap case. <sighs> trying to think. Like we would. Like I guess kind of like H two O. Yeah, um, they're our man. Yeah, and and like after that, it starts to get muddy for me. Like, I start to get to where I'm like, I don't really know, like, if I like all that many more. For me, it's, uh, like, the bands that I've, I always end up coming back to are obviously Minor Threat, um, uh, Bad Brains, um, um, Stretch Armstrong is another one that I like a lot, um, Gorilla Biscuits. Yeah. They're, like... They're like a timeless yeah, they are. band for me. They are. Um, um, trying to think of who else. Um, um, I still like Strong Arm a lot. Oh um, yeah, Strong Arm Zayo. Um, yeah, I I liked I never got un- Zayo. I, I loved Unashamed. Like I I did like Unashamed. You never got mm. into Zayo? Not really. No. I I, I like. There's something about them that I just it doesn't it doesn't click with me. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that like I'll, I won't say that a band sucks anymore, um, just because like I feel like it has more to do with whether or not it speaks to you. Like yeah. the music, spe- if it speaks to you, it speaks to you. If it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean they suck because obviously they have fans. But, Correct. Um, no, I think that just yeah. comes with age. It's just that wisdom that you get, you know. You just you just learn over time that, you know what, these dudes, they're just all out there grinding. They're just trying to do their yeah. own art and, you know, it is Avail what it is. Avail was my favorite for a long time. Yeah. Avail, dude, that band fucking rules. So good. I've seen them so many times live. Yeah. Every time they just, they were great. And it was usually... It was like it was usually to a crowd of like fifty to a hundred people, but it they it didn't matter if there's five people in the in the club. They always just killed it every I, time. I always feel like it like in Detroit, I always feel like we had an amazing hardcore scene, and our hardcore scene mixed with our punk ska scene 
like the three all went like hand in hand. You would go in Detroit in the like mid mid nineties, you would go to a show and it would like uh, a punk band would open or a ska band would open a hardcore band would be middle. And then like a punk band would, would headline. And it was amazing in Detroit because it wasn't like what we had to experience where, you know, people bring us in and it's like, Oh, five irons headlining insiders will go on before them. And then we have two local ska bands. And by the time you get to like the insiders or five iron, everybody's Scott out like you're done. You know, everything was just sounded the same. So I always loved that here in Detroit that you, you rarely went to a show where it was like three ska bands playing. It was always like ska band, hardcore band, you know, something like that. It always went hand in hand. And that's where we got a lot of our fans. Um, you know, our fans in the Midwest here, uh, Unfortunately, like people who know the insiders from our albums, our live shows were like quite different. Like we were always a bit harder than what we put out on like an album than what was recorded. And so in the Mm -hmm. Midwest, it was always rad because we would have these hardcore kids, you know, they got the the dickies on, they got their hoodies on, they got their hoods up, um, you know, and they're just going bananas. Sharpie X's on their hands. Yeah, Sharpie X's on their hands, straight edge. <laughs> yeah, we, we we would have that, and and it was awesome. And then it wasn't until we like went out to California for the first time, where we were like playing shows where like it's a ska crowd, right? You know, here it wasn't a ska crowd; it was like a punk and hardcore crowd. And then we would like go to California or out west, and then it was actual like, oh my gosh, like these are all ska kids, you know girls are showing up in like pleated skirts and blouses and the, the dudes are either in suits or, you know, they're, they're kind of the skins. Mm. That was, that was so rad. That was really rad. Yeah. Um, let me see. I had another question here for you. Um, so with all the, with all the like stuff that you've gotten into lately, what have you like now that like five aren't kind of gone, uh, where you guys are just doing like spot dates and stuff like that. What what else have you gotten into? You said that you kind of got into like traditional ska and, and doing the drumming for that. Was that just for recording or is that like a new hobby? Is that a new passion? And what are your new hobbies and passions now that kind of five iron isn't your, your, you know, your, your main gig? I think what was sort of behind trying to learn all of those traditional ska and reggae rhythms on the kit was um it was it was something that i always enjoyed listening to but i never really tried to play it on the drums it always felt like i wasn't i would never be good enough or have the right sort of feel Uh to play that stuff appropriately and I almost like I was, I don't want to do a disservice to something that I hold in such a high regard, you know? Yeah. Um, but then I was just like, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to try. I'm in my basement. Nobody has to hear me. I'm just going to play along to these records that I've never, you know, tried to play along to. And so, um, and it was nice to like, I mean, you have to, comp- as a drummer, when you go from, you know, 
punk beats that are four four rhythms that you know i mean everything's sort of square to uh ska rhythms where you know you, you like like i was talking about the one drop beat which is like to wrap your head around a one drop when you've been conditioned to play a certain way your entire life it's challenging and i kind of was like i like this challenge and I, you know and i'm enjoying like connecting to this music that I've always loved listening to, but connecting to it on a, on another level and, uh, and being able to appreciate it as an actual musician, as opposed to just a listener. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I've, i my music taste has always been really broad. Yeah. So, I mean, I've always got a lot of different stuff in my library now, um, does that bleed over into like hobbies? Like for your hobbies, are you, cause you were always like, I always think of you, you guys in Fiverr and you guys were always starting side projects. You guys always had the next thing going. Is that still the thing? Like, are you still doing music? Are you still taking what you learned from, you know, working on those beats? Are you putting that into something else now? Um, you know, what's well, going on there? Once you learn a new style, it lives with you. Like it doesn't. And you charge it, it, it rent. Be, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it becomes part of your DNA as a musician. You know, once you learn something, it, it, you know, whether or not you mean it to or want it to, it will creep its way in here and there. Sure. Uh, you know. Um, it's and, just growth. You know, it's just evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's also, you know, like, okay, I have a whole new set of tools in my toolbox to yeah. use, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, so you break them out when it's appropriate. And, um, um, but you know, like I, with Scott, uh, I did yellow second and I did, um, the fast feeling and, uh, <clears throat> you know, he's doing, he's got this new project that he's working on. I'm not really as as integral a, a part of this. I'm more of, more of kind of like, uh, I'm, I'm not a member of the band, but I'm, I, I, he has called on me to do some tracking of some drums for little spots and songs and stuff like that, where he wants live drums. But, um, and then, you know, like I said, like, uh, uh, the last time we spoke, I'm working on this, um, doom metal project. And, uh, <clears throat> it's really like uh that's stretching me musically now that's like my 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 focus is uh you know really learning how to write a good song and play it well on the guitar okay and on and on the bass and just write kind of a full song as opposed to just Hey, here's a riff, guys. You know, like with Five Iron, it'd be like, here's a riff that I wrote, you know, or or you know, a little verse and chorus. Maybe we could do something with it. I've always wanted to do something where it's like, this is my project. Yeah. You know, so like Brave Saint Saturn, that's Reese's baby. Uh, the fast feeling and um, well, the fast feeling that was Matt and Matt Langston and um, Scott's baby. Yellow second, that was Scott's baby. I did a sense with Dennis, but that was Dennis's. Those were Dennis's songs. And I've always wanted to do my own thing and, you know, like 
when I write stuff, I write stuff that's really heavily riff based and kind of what I grew up in, which was kind of like, uh, heavy metal punk and, um, you know, and a little bit of funk and hip hop in there. Um, but I've always wanted to do something that is on the darker side, maybe, you know, tune the guitar like a half step lower from standard or maybe a full step lower. And so it has that nice deep, like black Sabbath kind of sound. Yeah. And, um, and just write those kind of groovy, um, guitar riffs that you can kind of sit in the pocket with and just kind of groove along to as a drummer. So, I mean, I'm always kind of working on stuff like that and, you know, writing too, you know, just writing. I'm still working on short stories and poetry. And so like, I'm, I feel like when I get, when I get static with that kind of stuff and I'm just kind of sitting around and not doing anything with it, it bothers me. Like yeah. it, it's always that thing. It's like, man, I got to complete that project. Um, so um, the tough thing is right now is that I don't really have anyone, you know, breathing down my neck to get anything done with the stuff that I'm working on. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah I have an issue cause I have two, I have two stories that one that I've yet to get on paper or on the computer but I have another uh, comic book that I've written and I can't, I can't get an artist. I can't get an anchor, nothing. So it's like this comic book that I have the story for and I got nothing to go on. Like I got nothing. I'm at a dead end. So like the yeah. same thing, like it gets shelved until, you know, the Lord puts whoever in my life that says, Hey, I can, I can draw that for you. You know, I, I want to come on and do that. I've got about three or four of those right now. Yeah. Like fully fleshed out, like out, well, not, not completely written, but like fully fleshed out outlines. Yeah. You know, where, um, you know, like, but it's, it's hard to invest in that because it's like, well, what I want to put my energy into is something that will actually see the light of day. Like people will actually get to experience it. So, um, so it's hard to be motivated to work on those projects that are, you know, labor of love type. They things. are. It is. It's very tough because it always gets, it always gets put on the back. But it's like if you, it's like if you're saving for something, you know, you're saving mm-hmm. for something, say frivolous. Uh, so I'm, I'm a big, and this sounds absolutely stupid, uh, but I'm a huge cologne guy. Like I love scents. And there's a cologne that I absolutely love. It's 350 bucks for like a little bottle. So mm-hmm. I'm, I can't just like go out. I don't have that money. So I have to like put $25 aside, like every paycheck until I get enough to like buy the cologne. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. the car breaks down. My daughter needs braces. My daughter needs shoes right. for cheerleading. Right. So it's like yeah, yeah. you have this like thing that you want. You know, in in the same sense of like a labor of love, but it's always getting put on the back burner because there's always something else that it's like, this is going to pay the bills or this has, this will see the light of day, whereas this thing won't. You know, I'm this, like I said, I got this, I got this comic book sitting and then I just, same with you, I have this story 
Like, I don't think I would want to do it uh, comic book style. I think I would want to write like a uh, like a novel. And mm-hmm. I, same thing. I have that like 60 percent done, outlined, everything like that. And it's just, you know, whenever I have my free time, I don't want to just sit in front of the computer and like mm-hmm. write, you know, so I just think about it all day and then I get home and the I don't about, put it out. The thing about writing that's it, tough when you have a family and a full-time job and you have limited time to devote to it is to write, I think you need to carve out at least five hours to write and only only like half of that or two hours of that is going to be actually writing because where you're actually making progress because when you start writing in my experience you write you start writing you have an idea you start writing it out and you're like then you go oh i don't like that and so you delete everything or you maybe don't delete all of it but you start to rework that little section and but a lot of that time in writing is just sitting there with yourself and saying how do I want to make these words <clears throat> how do I want to make these words come out yeah and for me like um, like the the most important thing for me when I write is um, you know obviously the story is important in the in the plot and you know you know the motivation of your characters but for me, like one of the things that I tend to hyper focus on is um, how does the, and this is going to sound funny to say, but how does the sentence sound in my mouth? How does it feel in my mouth when I say it? Like when I read it out loud, does it feel good in my mouth to say it? Yeah. So, so I'll write and then I'll, I'll write like a chunk you know, like maybe a paragraph or, or two when I first get started and I'll read it and I'll be like, okay, I like these sentences, but a lot of this other stuff is like filler or just like pushing the plot forward or, you know, and I want it to be more than that. Like I want every single sentence to have some level of importance to it. Yeah. It needs to be there. Yeah. And, um, and so <clears throat> it's challenging because you end up – I think the, one of the ways I heard it um, expressed that I really liked was, uh, was ta- they were talking about Tolkien, the way he wrote um, The Hobbit. Where it, was like, it was like waves at low tide coming in on high tide. So the, he'd get a little bit done and then he'd step and then a little bit more the next time and then he'd step back. And then eventually he would have a completed work. But it was like this, you know, um, three steps forward, two steps back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And and so and that's kind of how I write, too, because I'm highly critical. I have a hard time liking anything that I do and or feeling confident, I should say. It's probably a better way to describe that. I have a hard time feeling confident that anything that I'm going to do is going to be worth anyone reading. 
or listening to. And it's just a personal thing. Like it's a thing that I, you know, a character flaw that I have to work out for myself. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm, a, I'm, the I'm afraid of people. Yeah. Cause I, I do stuff where I think I've been burned so much in my life where I try to do what the record company said. I changed the lyrics right. to do this. I changed the lyrics to do that. And I've, I realized that I've censored myself to appeal to other people. And then when mm-hmm. I have a finished project, it doesn't appeal to me. And yeah. so I think with the insiders, like our first couple albums or things that I've experienced in life, I do everything for me. And if, you know, if, if doing the pickle and boot shop gets a thousand listens a week, I'm cool with that. You know, yeah. if someone's like, well, you can do this and you can do this more and you could talk about this more and you can get 5,000 listens a week. Yeah. But if that's not what I'm con- like, I want to be proud. You know, I, I love what, you know what I mean? So whether it's an mm-hmm. album, whether it's the podcast, whether it's whatever, I just want to be proud of it. And if people, if numbers come with what I believe in, awesome. If they don't, then mm-hmm. it's my work that I can be proud of that's out there. Yeah, for me, I think my my reservations all come from uh, from my PTSD and always feeling inadequate or worried that I'm either going to offend someone or someone's going to think I'm stupid or no, I'm, stop I'm, there. I'm not talented. Stop there, because I want to get into that on the next portion. So we're at, uh, okay. we're at about the hour mark right now. Let's bring this okay. to a close. Freebie people, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, we want to thank Andy for being back on. And, uh, man, we hope that you guys have a have a blessed week this week. Have a great time. Um, if you want to hear the rest of it, feel free to sign up on Patreon. Look up Pickle and Boot Shop on Patreon, and you can get that. If you do sign up, the lowest tier, I think, is $5 a month, and you get an extra four hours of content. You can listen to us blab for an extra four hours, and you're about to hear uh, Andy and I uh, dig into this a little more. So, you guys, uh, I want to say bye. Thank you so much. Rock and roll. Thanks for listening. Yeah, you guys, we'll see you. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com. So now I'm recording. Check. Okay. Okay. Band. Cool. All right. Do you, do you have your garage band going? Yep, I'm recording right now. Okay, let's clap. Let's go three, two, one. (laughs) Was that good on your end or no? Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right, good stuff.